Happy Sunday, and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. My name is Chris Plegenpole. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. Now, if you've never like attended a church here with us or been with us online, one of the things we love are questions. And so if you've got any questions, please text them right in the middle of the service. It won't bother me. I don't have my phone on me, and it will go to a—you can be completely anonymous on this. It will go somewhere, but eventually it will get to me, and I will answer those on— uh, through social media so that everybody could probably benefit from the uh, question that you're asking. Now, we've been in a series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And I think uh, as a country, uh, we are sort of reeling from the fact that a lot of us are sitting there going, what, what is happening? What am I supposed to do? In fact, we just crested 50,000 people have died in the United States alone uh, from the coronavirus. And I feel like the first thing, and this is just me as a pastor, so of course I'm going to say this, right? Of course, I'm a pastor. This is what pastors say. We should be praying. We should be asking God, uh, heal our land, heal the economy. Uh, we should be praying for the good of our city. And I, but I think as a whole, uh, we aren't. Whether you're Christian, not Christian, I, I think that in general, people are being more anxious than they are trusting God. And I've been trying to figure out why that is. And I, I thought through three reasons, perhaps, that we're not looking to overcome anxiety through prayer. Uh, in fact, we don't ask God for help. In fact, here's what I would say. We resist praying when we need help uh, because we tend to, uh, how about this, we argue about the why. Um, we want to make sure that whatever the issue is, and I'm not, I don't want to get into politics here, but just if you watch the media, if you watch politicians, it seems like there's a lot of blame shifting and not a lot of actually ministry doing, right? And I think that's the part where we, we struggle is we're like, it seems like everyone's more worried about not being their fault than solving the problem, okay? Second, second, um, we doubt God. And in a in a world where uh, secularism and sort of an anti-God theme is always sort of present, of course, of course we doubt God, as, and of course people aren't going to pray. But perhaps um, there are some Christians here that, are, that you're watching, and you would say, Chris, Chris, I appreciate that, of course we should pray. I don't have time to pray. There's, you know, there's bad stuff going on. I've got a job to do. In fact, uh, ever since uh, the coronavirus hit, my, I've been working from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., and I'm barely getting sleep, trying to raise my kids, trying to, to have a functional experience, and I'm in complete crisis. And I would say, exactly. Um, what if we trusted God even with that? So we'll get to that. All right, and then finally, uh, we resist praying when we need help because we tend to take control. There's this part of you and there's this part in me that when I'm struggling, uh, the last thing I think to do is be patient and sit there in quiet meditation and talk to an invisible friend. I just, in general, my thing is I'm an action-oriented person. Let's not waste time. Let's get to the business. Let's get to fixing these things. And sometimes what, what can happen is we sort of relegate prayer to the 80-year-old prayer warriors that, that can't do anything else. And it's like, okay, if you can't do anything else, then pray, as opposed to uh, we've got researchers and scientists and we need them to be sort of on the front lines. As a, but maybe the thought is, why don't we pray as if it's all up to God and then work as if it's up to us? And I think that's sort of the reality that I'm, I'm seeking for, for us is that when we're anxious, when there isn't any research that you can do, when you aren't a scientist, when you're not a doctor, when you are just a person that's a Monday morning quarterback of the news, 
Instead of listening to all that is going wrong and all that is broken, and that's your way of taking control by being really anxious, what if we became a people who prayed? All right, so that's where I want to go this morning. And um, if you have your Bible, um, I would love for you to open up your Bible to Mark chapter 9. That's where we're going to be working through. We're going to start at uh, verse 14. And if you're not familiar with Mark chapter 9, previous to this, in the beginning of Mark 9, Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's the big thing where uh, God reveals Jesus in his full glory to Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah show up for the party. And it's just an incredible literal mountaintop experience. And then Peter, James, and John, and Jesus head back down to the reality where uh, disease and sickness seem to reign, and it's into a cacophony of arguing. That's where we're going to pick up the story in Mark 9, and we're going to figure out what this argument is all about. So Mark 9, here we go, chapter 9, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, that's Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes, watch this, arguing with them. So I, want, I just wanted you to kind of highlight arguing. Here they are, they're arguing, and immediately of all the crowd, when they saw him, they saw Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. So it's not like he was still uh, transfigured. It's not like he was radiant and glowing, although you could argue that, but more like, oh, there's Jesus. Finally, the guy we've been looking for. Why have they been looking for him? Watch this. And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about? (laughs) What is all of this fuss? And someone from the crowd answered him. And I like the fact that it's not the scribes and it's not the disciples, the nine that were uh, there, but rather it's the man who was needing ministry. So uh, there's this blame shifting going on with the fair, or the scribes and the disciples. And then the man who's struggling says, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out And here is the reason why the argument all started. And they were not able. Okay? So I want you to notice this, that you've got Jesus shows up on the scene, and it's not like anyone going to the man and and praying over him. It's not anyone going over the man and going like, oh, this is really hard. I don't know how you're dealing with this. Please tell me more. It's the disciples and the scribes going back and forth. Oh, how come you couldn't drive him out, disciples of Jesus? Looks like your powers aren't real. Okay, Dowdy Dowderson. I think that's sort of what we have going on here. And watch, watch this. For the man, arguing makes anxiety worse, not better. And what, the, uh, what I could imagine the disciples were doing is something uh, in marriage counseling I call escalation. You guys familiar with this? Um, all right, let, let me explain it to you. It's when you start arguing about the argument and not about the issue. All right. Um, in fact, I, I tried this with Adrian uh, last night just to sort of see if this reality was true. I said, listen, uh, what I'm gonna, here's my proposition. You can't remember, most likely, what your last argument was about. You can remember you had one, but you can't remember what it was about because probably you weren't arguing about the issue. You were arguing about the arguing. In fact, I asked that to Adrian last night. I was like, so what was our last, can you remember our last argument? She said, yes. And she kind of gave me, it was like this week. And I go, what was it about? And she sat, sat there and she thought, and she thought, and she thought. And then she's like, I, I'm kind of confused on what we argued about. And then I thought, and I thought, and I was like, me too. I don't really remember. 
Because I think we spend a lot of time arguing about the argument versus working on the problem. And part of that working on the problem might be praying. Now watch this. And here's where I'm going to get to on this. Um, We want bad things to not be our fault more than we want things to get better. Watch this. When we want bad things to not be our fault more than we want things to get better, then we are going to create more anxiety and things are going to get worse. I just want to throw that little statement out there because I feel like this might be speaking to somebody. We want bad things not to be our fault more than we want things to get better. And that's why you, as a Christian, let's just talk to Christians for a second. That's why you're not praying. You're like, Chris, Chris, come on, come on. I mean, if I were to start, that would make me look so what? Weak? This might be the issue. This, this, and I'm, I'm going to take a step out of coronavirus. I'm just going to get right into your marriage. I'm going to get right into the relationship. I'm going to get right into the friction you have with your boss, right into the, the issues you have with interpersonal relationships across the board. Okay, watch. We don't want it to say stuff like, I feel anxious, or I feel scared, or I feel worried. <sighs> Because we don't want the unempathetic answer of like, get over it. Like, uh, show up to work today. Be a professional. Uh, I don't want to hear about your problems. Leave those with your kids on the other side of the Zoom screen. All right, that's, that's fine. And so for you to talk to me about those issues, that's not appropriate. And I think that for the longest time has been the culture. And what has happened is since that's how we live like our professional lives, when we come and take it home, of course, what are you going to change? All right, so watch, 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 watch. We don't want to say, I need to calm down. We don't want to say, I'm sorry for my part in this. Um, I, I don't want to, we don't want to say, I'm a part of the problem because of this. Watch this. My mom always taught me this uh, growing up. She says, Chris, everybody kicks a sagging fence. And what's that mean? Whenever you see, I mean, how many times you walk by a sagging fence, you just go, boop, and you want to give it a little, little kick, right? We all do. Because there's a something in that weakness that makes you want to kick it. And so, of course, of course, when you are, uh, have a struggle, for you to voice that, that would bring weakness exposed. And I think what happened is that disciples started to focus on their weakness of maybe their faith wasn't strong enough. Then the insecurities, and they were starting to kind of put their guard. They went on defense. As soon as that first attack came from those scribes, like, we got to go on D, guys. Hold strong. Hold, lock arms. Make sure they know they're wrong. We're right. That party over there is wrong. This party over here is right. And the scribes, like, same thing. Oh, you think we're the ones who have no faith? Look at you. You just made this guy's wife more miserable. Isn't that what we do? So how do we, how does this guy going to get healing? And the thing that's so incredible is that um, all these religious leaders, the disciples who've been rolling with Jesus for a while, the scribes who've been studying God's word for like their whole lives, this man is able to bridge across the gap that they can't see. I want you to see this. Uh, look at verse 19. And he answered them, Jesus is answering, Oh, faithless generation. I, I love Jesus. You can just see, feel frustration oozing out of him. He's just like, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? It's like, yo, Jesus, come on. He's like, bring him to me. And so like, this is like, I feel like that's what I do to my kids all the time. Right, bring him to me. And so they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father in a really calm manner as the kid's rolling about foaming. He's like, how long has he been like that? 
And he said to him, the father says, from childhood. And then now I want you to lean in here because I want you to hear this, this man's like sort of desperation from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire or water to destroy him. But, and watch this word, if you can, if you can do anything, if you can give him a little, listen, a little bit, if you got like some Tylenol, some Advil, make him help a little bit better, I'm willing to take that. I'll take anything at this point. But if you could do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And you gotta love Jesus. Jesus is sort of irritated by the whole thing. And uh, he, he just, it just kind of boils over just a little bit. He said, Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can, are you kidding me? All things are possible for the one who believes. And then immediately the father of this child, just from the depths of his soul, just, just cries out loud and thunderous. I believe. Help my unbelief. Vulnerability just completely exposed. I know I don't got it together. I know I've got a problem. Jesus, help the thing that whatever I need help with, I'm willing to do anything. And I love this because this man is in desperation because he loves his boy. And then Jesus, watch. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and you deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Watch this, vulnerability. Look at it, Jesus heals through vulnerability, not ability. Let me say it again. Jesus heals through vulnerability, not ability. In other words, vulnerability endears. Arrogance repels. The arguing, if it's not my fault, it just, it just puts a defense, it puts a barrier between you and another person. Last night, my, my son, uh, Austin, came down and uh, I was working on the sermon and, you know, kind of busy. Uh, and he goes, uh, hey, daddy. And I'm like, yeah, what's up, buddy? And, he's, and you know, it's night, it's dark, it's late. Uh, and he goes, so um, I'm hot. Can you do something about the heat? And, I, and of course, you know, I know how to turn the air conditioning on. It's for him. It's like way above his, the way he can, far as he can reach. And so I get up, I head upstairs, and the whole time I just hold his hand and we walk together and I get to turn the air conditioning down. And I take him back to his bedroom and I say, I love you. Good night. All right. I know that's, that's like insignificant. It's like, of course you would do that. You're a dad. Of course I would do that. I'm a dad. And I think this is the part where I feel like a lot of us in this culture have got messed up dad relationships. So when you think of God, you, in general, you don't think of father. And last week we sort of talked about you can't separate the two because he is our father and all of us are like the children. And whenever there is a need that a son or daughter has, we go to him. And you express with vulnerability the issue. And I love that Austin didn't just go try and figure out the, the thermostat. I love, thank God he didn't. It'd probably be at 43 degrees, right? He came to his dad and said, dad, I am dependent on you. I need you. And my whole point of parenting is that one day I'm going to transfer my parental authority over to God and I just become a buddy dad, right? Eventually. 
But for now, I'm the authority in his life. I'm sort of acting like God in his life. And he needs that because he depends on me for his life, for food, for comfort, for discipline, for teaching, for instruction. He needs that. And how much more do we need that from God? But here's our problem. Here's our problem. He had to be vulnerable and that's hard for us because again, we've been taught everyone kicks a sagging fence and so you're not going to be vulnerable. But let's talk about vulnerability. Vulnerability is the core. I'm, I'm going to make this argument. You ready? Vulnerability is at the core of everything that you are. Here's what I mean by that. Um, your joy, uh, your excitement, all the goodness that is in your life comes through your vulnerability. Here's how I know that. Um, do you remember your first date? Do you remember sort of like putting yourself out there? Whether uh, you were a guy, you know, like I got to ask her and you're sort of like looking at your phone or you're going to look at, you know, you're just, you're, you're going back and forth. Do I do it? Do I do it? And you're sort of sweating, palm sweaty, every, the neck sweaty, everything's sweaty. You're smelling your armpits. You're like getting out. Oh my gosh. Oh. And then you finally, you ask, right? You, you throw it out there and there's this yes response. And you don't really want to talk to her at that moment. You want to run away and celebrate, right? You're like doing that's sort of the feeling that happens. And that because you were vulnerable. You exposed like, uh, uh, the ability to be rejected. Now, now watch. It's, it's also like, you know that saying, you don't have to be like in love, right? Because you're like, uh, love, that's such trivialness. How about competing and stuff? You know, when you're an athlete or you're um, a smart super brainiac or you're competing for a job, there's this rush that you put yourself out there. And when you get it, the reason why it's so exciting is because there was a vulnerability at the core of that. Or um, how about this? Uh, we just had uh, a baby born, uh, Dakota Elliott. We're so grateful that you just came to the world, right? Uh, and uh, we're so excited. One of our elders, uh, uh, Mark and Ashley, Elliott had their child, Dakota, and they're watching the experience for them on their first kid. They'd never done this before. And of course, that, that night, as, as Dakota was coming, there's this freaking out excitement because who knows if it's going to work out? Who knows if the baby's going to make it? And all of a sudden, the baby makes it. And you're just like elated because there's this risk of you putting love into something you've never seen, experienced, and all of a sudden, you just whoosh, explodes. Okay, so you get vulnerability is the reason why we have excitement and joy and the rush, the adrenaline of all that. But it's also, watch this, it's also at the very core of shame. Here's what I mean by that. When your secret when your darkness is exposed, you are clearly vulnerable. And here's what you're vulnerable to. You're vulnerable to judgment. You're vulnerable to being rejected. You're vulnerable to all the things that you knew that would, if people saw that, they would say, I'd want nothing to do with that. That's why when you have a fear of failure, you don't ask anyone out. That's why uh, when it comes to sex, if you've been rejected before uh, and you've been married for a while, you're like, you know what? I'm resigned to celibacy. Like, you would have never said that in your single life, but all of a sudden you get married and you're like, yep, it's over. I quit. I shut down. I'm not going to pursue her anymore. I'm not going to initiate anymore. It's why when um, you're sick or um, something, you have a sprained ankle, broken leg, messed up tendons, you're like, nah, I'm not going to call the doctor. Because you're vulnerable from him telling you there's something wrong. You'd rather take control and fix it or figure it out 
or when uh, the fear of getting laid off. There's this vulnerability that all that's going to expose me. And then there's this shame and humiliation. I'd rather not live than not have a job. Or I'd rather whatever the thing is. Or if I have to lay somebody off, I'd rather not do that because all of a sudden I've got all this vulnerability. They're going to reject me. And I think that's at the base of who we are. And what I loved about this man, I want you to hear this. This man comes to Jesus completely vulnerable. I believe, <laughs> but there's a whole lot I don't get. And listen, I've heard about you. I'm, I've read about you. People have talked about you, but I ain't seen it yet. And I want it to be true, but I don't know if it's true. Help my unbelief. What he doesn't do is try to numb the vulnerability. Now, hang with me here. Because I think what a lot of us do, because we're so afraid of the shame, we're so afraid of the rejection, we're so afraid of all the dark side, is we just sort of numb our vulnerability. We put up the defense, we put up the shields, we're not going to let anybody in, and we'll selectively let people in. And there's like, they get like the sort of in, they don't get to the holy of holies, so to speak, they don't get the inner part of you, they get a um, controlled part of you. It might show a little bit of weakness because you don't want to be like, come off as a complete arrogant dirtbag, but at the same time, they're not getting into the inside. And here's watch, 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 watch. And so what happens is you have to numb your vulnerability, but you can't just selectively numb. I'm not going to feel vulnerable. I'm going to lean into this issue and feel no vulnerability. No, you have, when you numb one part of you, you numb all of you. And the way you do that is through drugs, you do it through alcohol, you can do it through video games. Uh, you can do it through Netflix binging. You can do it through uh, just about anything that isn't dealing with the issue of the vulnerability and being exposed. And this is why you feel like this longing of exposedness that I need someone to approve of me even if I am at my worst. And that becomes the gospel message that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead so that you don't have to fake it anymore. You don't have to be a person who's always wondering if you're good enough you can be vulnerable and even rejected by man, but you'll never be rejected by God. He is calling you to him. And that was the one thing that this man, this dad got right. He saw in Jesus, or maybe he didn't know, but he had to go for it. And he, was, he put himself out there and he risked, I believe, help my unbelief. No pretense, no holding back, no pride. And that might be the thing where you're doubting God because you feel like you've, you've seen how he worked before and you're not seeing how he's working now. And so you say, God, I'm just going to push you off just a little bit. But we know that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so I'm, my pleading with you is just to get to this place of vulnerability because that's your ultimate humility and it's at the core of your joy. The core of ultimate rest in him is being vulnerable with your God, which allows you to be vulnerable with people. All right, let's wrap this up. Go to verse 26. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, so the boy is just like freaking out. It came out. The, the demon came out. And the boy was like a corpse. So much uh, that some of them said, he dead. Now, now look, look, look. Sometimes when you ask Jesus for help, um, it, things get worse before it gets better. And then this, I love the next part of the sentence. But Jesus... But Jesus, uh, my lost my job, but Jesus. I lost my son, but Jesus. I lost my uh, 
my relationship but Jesus. I lost something, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he entered the house, so Jesus enters the house with the disciples, the disciples asked him privately, Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? And then Jesus says to them something really profound. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. In other words, they tried everything but prayer. But prayer is our part in alleviating anxiety. Prayer is our part in alleviating anxiety. And here's what I, I want you to see this. Watch. Um, at our house, uh, I want, I'm trying to train my boys to pray. This is sort of my, my heart. So whenever they come into a crisis, my first response to them is, have you prayed about it? And so usually the crisis revolves around, revolves around losing toys, right? So whether it's a Pokemon, whether it's a Lego, uh, whether it is a video game controller, okay? That is, it's all about the crisis of the moment. And I go, the first thing I ask is, did you pray about it? And Austin will inevitably go, he just kind of does it off the bat. Jet will get there after about 30 minutes of searching. But Austin goes, this is prayer. Dear God, help me find the controller. Amen. All right, that's how it goes. And then he'll come back to me and say, it didn't work. What didn't work? I prayed and then nothing happened. And then I'd say, listen, um, God is in control of everything. He knows where everything is. He designed everything. He knows. He's, in fact, he set up this crisis for you to trust him. And then I asked him a really annoying dad question, which of course uh, is frustrating. He, I, he goes, I go, what is God trying to teach you in this moment when you can't find it? And he's like, I don't know. I just, I don't care what he's trying to teach me. I just, I just want my controller. And I go, that is what he's teaching you. And so we go back to praying again. Now, I'm going to try and come to you with this as a father. That you've got an issue. And you'd say, Chris, I lost my job. I lost my relationship. I lost my uh, thing. I've lost something. The I lost the circumstances that I had. And I would say, did you pray about it? And you'd say, yeah, only kind of with an OMG. I can't believe this is happening. And I would say, okay, can we uh, do a prayer prayer? And you'd say, okay, I prayed. I asked God for help. Nothing happened. And then I would say, what is God trying to teach you? And you'd say, I don't want to learn anything. I just want the thing. And I would say, Exactly. The Bible says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature, and I think a lot of us aren't, and complete, and I know a lot of us aren't. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you don't know what to do. Ask God who gives generous at all without finding fault. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. For he who doubts like a wave of the sea blown tossed by the wind, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Watch. I believe! Help my unbelief in my marriage. Help my unbelief in my job. Help my unbelief in my circumstance. Do you see how that works? And that's what God is calling us to be a people who pray. And so my question this morning for you is, will you make prayer a priority? And if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're watching this. And maybe the first prayer you pray is this. You just say, Father God in heaven, I confess I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you in my words, my actions. 
uh, in the darkness of my heart. I, I am broken. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose to that Holy Spirit. Come to my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. I believe that, but help my unbelief in that. And watch the Spirit work in your life. If, if you are a Christian, um, just get, you know this, just getting on your knees before God reprioritizes your heart. And um, I want us to do, uh, as a church, I want us to do something really unique. I want us to pray as a church. I want us to, uh, as a church, uh, for 24 hours straight, starting at midnight tonight, I want us to pray from midnight to 11.59 on Monday night. And what I want us to do is, um, I want us to register, but I want us to take all of our struggle, all of our stuff, and we're going to lay out prayers for the country, prayers for the city, prayers for people's marriage, prayers for the whole thing. We're going to cover an entire uh, gamut. We've broken down the 30-minute increments. We're just praying, 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 praying. So would you join us uh, at this link, and that, that way we could watch uh, God work in a really powerful way, okay? A really powerful way. Um, and listen, if you need prayer right now, uh, right now in our virtual prayer room, which you can just click a link to get to, uh, we would love to pray with you. Um, because we're about to take some time where we're going to ask God to meet us right where we're at to confess and repent the darkness of our heart. Or maybe if you're not a Christian, to pray for the very first time for Jesus to save you. Would you guys pray with me? And, and before we do that, make sure this time um, as we're praying that you've got your communion or Lord's Supper elements ready. Because uh, after we confess and repent, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Would you pray? Father, I know that there are people who are tuning in that don't know you as their Savior. Uh, they are watching and they're trying to keep a, a distance. And they're maybe thinking, I, I want to try that prayer thing, but I don't even know where to start. And God, I pray that uh, they would uh, simply click a link and say, hey, um, I'm the guy. I'm going to be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know how to pray. I, I've never done this before. Um, would you help me? God, I pray that that would happen right now. I pray that somebody for the first time would say, Jesus, I need, I'm a sinner. I need you. Save me. Save me from my just grip on circumstances to make me whole. Save me from my desire to take control and heal me. God, I'm praying that for those that have called out your name before, but somehow the busyness and the Zoom calls and the, just the insanity of staring at a screen all day has sort of made their world really, really small. And they've forgotten that you are in charge of everything. And they've forgotten to ask you, what are you trying to teach me? Father, Daddy. Lord, would you do a work in us as we prepare to take communion? Would you settle our hearts? Would you help us to rest fully in you? It's in Jesus' name we pray.